I guess it's TikTok. Is TikTok driving all the, the pants discourse? We'll find out. We'll, we'll find out. We'll get into it. <laughs> hey, it's Templeton here with a sticker update for you. As of last week, we raised $501 for our friend Kevin Wilkins. He's battling prostate cancer, so we're slinging stickers to help raise money and make life a little easier for him. If you want stickers of the Mostly Skateboarding logo in black and green, you know what to do. Donate at least $10 to the Kevin Wilkins Fund. Forward your receipt to MostlySkateboarding at gmail.com along with your mailing address, and I will send you an even mix of black and green stickers. You can find a link to donate in this week's show notes. Now, on to the show. Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelliot, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Kagongo and Mike Munzenreiter for a big episode. We're talking pants, and we're talking curbs. <laughs> curbs have seen a renaissance over the last handful of years. Feedback Ted's Upper West Side Curb Club video was the inspiration behind this week's topic. Uh, we're in an era where everybody's good, so why are we skating curbs again, Mike? I mean, curbs are eternal. Let's not get it twisted but i do think that like when everybody's good the fact that like one of the most accessible parts of skateboarding is having a resurgence and it kind of tips the scales back towards all the normal humans i think it's probably as simple as that like it's the most relatable thing everybody starts skating curb starts out skating curbs curbs remain fun forever um and i do just want to say that upper west side curb club clip was awesome in that it it illustrates that it's like here's people skating their local quarter snacks the snack man had a really nice brief post just about what's so appealing about that clip but yeah it's people skating a not great spot but it's relatable and it's very entertaining because of that uh i think it's relatability as to why curbs remain you know a focus and they're just fun Patrick, where are you at? Um, I think that the resurgence of curbs, I don't think it's a resurgence. I think it's actually curbs have always been fun. Curbs have always been there. But now, um, and I really point to Instagram because of this, now we can document how much time people spend skating curbs, right? Like It's interesting that it's become, there's, that curb skating has gotten more coverage on blogs, in proper magazines, and in videos. But the thing is, people are always hanging out at curbs. So there's a, a crew in L.A., the Fellows Union Curb Club, and it's mostly, you know, 30, 40 plus, a lot of old heads, and they do, like, the Sunday morning thing. It's a bit like surfing, right? But there's also cats who hang out on Friday nights and go skate the curbs. There's a set of curbs over in Atwater Village, and it's a turn-up for real, you know? And in COVID, it's been a real lifesaver. People rocking masks, they're being safe, but I remember going there pre-COVID times, and yo, it was it was nice, especially now that people have kind of gotten in the habit of cleaning up after themselves and, you know, self-policing and not getting into too much trouble while they're hanging out there. Although they still let loose, real talk. But here's the thing about the curb spot. You can chill at the curb spot. You don't have to try too hard, or you can go all out, right? Again, it's the TF. You can relax and watch what's happening, or you can try that trick that you never would be able to get on a ledge, right? And also the other thing is that skating, you know, actually like trekking out to a spot, right? And I'm speaking strictly West Coast here and I'm speaking strictly California. Getting in a car, going to some spot, let's say it's a bust. If you're trying to film and you're a professional and you've got a whole bunch of people there and you've got gear, you know, all of that pressure. A curb spot, oh my goodness, it's like a, it's like a nice like ice cold lager. I don't know, like Templeton, like... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like curbs. I feel like curb skating never went away, even during the Hammer era. I mean, like everybody has skated curbs and learned on curbs and stuff like that. But I, I feel like it's only now, or like in the past handful of years, become like an acceptable place to film and like you know do professional skateboarding. You know, it was like big pants, small wheels. There was a lot of curb skating, and then I don't know. Yeah, probably in the last like five or six years is when you see curb curb skating work its way back into the pro ranks. And I, I think it's partially driven by aging pro skaters. You know, there was a time when, you know, when you hit like 24, you were kind of in the twilight years of your pro skate career. But now, you know, pro skaters never, never go away, it seems like, <laughs> especially with Instagram. So, you know, as they're, um, you know, not able or not willing to 
drop big hammers anymore. They're, they can still kind of push themselves on the curb. So it's com- almost like a, um, a retirement village. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I want to pinpoint, I want to pinpoint when uh, Anthony Van Anglin, who, uh, sidebar, recent posts on Instagram from like his Wheels of Fortune, like 20 years ago, Wheels of Fortune, 411 era, have proven that he's always just been like incredible at skateboarding. Show notes. Was it the, was it Minefield where he was skating some Safeway curbs or, you know, grocery store curbs? Or was that the the Vans video, you know, where he does like a slappy backside 5-0, like long as hell, as a prelude to, you know, a more technically difficult trick? Like, can we pinpoint it? I can't quite picture it, but it it seems more like it would be propeller than minefield. Yeah. Just based on like timing. Red curb. Yeah, you're right. You know what? I think it always kind of felt like um, there was something sort of... um, that doing a curb trick before something bigger was a bit of um, it was a bit of filler, right? But it was something that was a little bit relatable. It kind of bought the bought the line or bought the part as a whole back down to earth. But now you not only have people skate actually actively going to skate a curb spot, right? You actually have videos where you've got people skating curbs and people getting hyped on those videos. And I think that's that's the really 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 big difference. And you know, tumbled into your point about curbs becoming a retirement village. I think that's just to say that there's more people who are skating longer, right? And there's just more people skating, and not everybody's want going to want to skate a park. Not everybody's going to want to trek to a spot. Not everybody's going to want to, you know, go hard in the paint at some place that's established. Sometimes all you want to do is post up all day at a curb spot. And also, the cool thing is too, curb spots have also you know, in the last couple of years have become little DIYs too. You've got people doing a little quiet work on the side. And as long as you're not making it too hot and not trashing the place every time you skate there, a lot of people, a lot of property owners tend to either they don't notice or they're just looking the other way. And I think that's the other thing too. It, it would be one thing if it was people were just skating curb spots. It's another that people are going there with Bondo. They're going there with concrete. They're actually doing a little work here and there. They're keeping the place tidy. That's the thing that's actually making, creating some longevity for curb spots. And that's, I think, the reason why they're just becoming more fun to skate. Templeton, what say you? I thought that Westside Curb Club video was, like, way better than expected. Like, I watched the first few minutes uh, while I was, like, cooking. And I was just like, this ain't for me. Like, this is, like, (laughs) some jazz, some fucking arty shit. Like, this is not really... I'm not here for 19 minutes of this. And then um, I sat down and watched the whole thing. And it just like, it was really good. And it was like, I was just like, man, I want to like, it like got me nostalgic almost. Like, not that I've ever been there or even like had a chill spot like that. But just like having a chill spot like that where like you can just go. And I mean, I've definitely had spots where you can just show up and you know, like some people are going to be there that you like are either friends with or just like acquaintances with because they are always at the spot too. And it, it just made me like nostalgic for that. And, you know, like I think that's probably like COVID related when I haven't like mm-hmm. been skating with people and been like at spots and haven't really been able to just be like out there, you know, it's like, okay, I got like two hours. I'm going to go to this spot and like try to have as much fun as possible in those two hours. Yep. Well, what I really liked about that that video, I can't even call it a clip because it is 19 minutes, as you said, like really does show the locals at that weird, not that great looking spot. I mean, the ground looks a little funky and, um, you know, you probably got to push a lot to get up the two stair and then the ground is garbage. You hit the ledge and then like I, I only got 11 minutes in and then I got sidetracked. So this isn't a complete survey of the video. But, like, only one skater in that whole thing was hitting the ledge and then, like, turning out to dodge the, the forest air and then make it out. Not an easy spot to skate, but it looks like it has really cool options. And I did like the vibe that, you know, they were really leaning in, just like, okay, you know, who are the actual locals here? It, it went deep. There must have been, again, 11 minutes in, like, 27 people that had clips in that video. And they were, you know, from random rippers to legit like okay that that person's good to just 
locals. I really like that. I think um, I don't think that clip, that video would exist in skating like seven years ago, but um, very welcome right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Here's the other thing, too. Most curb spots are accessible. Um, you don't have to hop a fence to skate a curb. If you're hopping a fence to skate a curb, you might want to be... <laughs> You might want to be rethinking your escape priorities. I mean, there's probably someplace better around the corner. And then also, it kind of ties to like a changing perception in skating, too. I was talking with a buddy of mine that he skates schoolyards pretty much every day, like five, six days a week, right? And I was talking to him about it, and, you know, he, he said this in jest, but I'll repeat it because, you know, he, he gave me a, I had a really good laugh about this. And he says, like, yo, this whole, like, thing about asking people to do a kickflip, Yo, man, it's mad ableist. And I just, I was, I died laughing. And then he's like, nah, he's like, nah, man, I'm serious. I was like, how come? It was like, I, he's like, I had major reconstructive surgery on my ankle, right? You know, he put out the, he, he, um, he really, really messed up his shit. And thankfully he was living in England at the time. And, you know, under the NHS, you know, the surgery was free, right? So he wasn't completely bankrupted. But he's like, it's really, he's like, he pointed out that it's really hard for him to do flip tricks now, Right. And I thought about that for a second. I was just like, okay, this is me going borderline into a certain territory. <laughs> but I kind of like, I like that idea that there, there should be no sort of thing that, that defines, like, it, if anything, the defining trick about being able to ride a skateboard and do a, you know, to skate is, is the ollie. This whole thing of like, do a kickflip, like, what if you can't? What if you can't move your ankle like that anymore? Or what if you were never able to? And the nice thing about the curve thing is that it doesn't matter. You could slappy all day, every day. So in that aspect, it's even more accessible to everybody. What about just like the board slide fakie, which is uh, literally now that, you know, you got me thinking about not even being able to slappy. I, I still can't slappy. Board slide fakie. You ride, you lift, up the, <laughs> you lift up your nose, you get in there, and you hope you can ride out fakie. You know, that's the first, that might be the first actual trick I did on a skateboard. And, um... You know, it's not that hard. Exactly. <laughs> it be, you know, <laughs> and and that's the thing. Like, if you really think about it, uh, curb skating is not only really fun at every single level of skating; it's also a great equalizer, and it takes out some of that pressure. Because you know, imagine trying to. I don't think that sessioning a ledge is is nearly as fun as as hanging out at a curb because you go to a ledge spot. You know, people are really trying to put in work there. If they're filming, they're trying to get something. If they're just skating to skate. They want to land something. They want to, you know, a talking point. They they want to, something to look back on for the day. Curb spot, you might go there and not land a shit. It's all good. <laughs> well, what, one one idea just in that vein that I like about um, Familia headquarters where I skate all winter. Like, if I'm not feeling it, I can skate the curb and I can try something that's like kind of, uh, eh, maybe it's difficult, but it's still you're skating the curb, and so who cares? You know, you can't get that mad about skating a curb and even trying something that's like, you know, vaguely difficult. I, I like that aspect of it. It's a test kitchen. Totally. I don't know. I can get pretty mad skating curbs because I just can't figure that shit out. You know, like I, I can slappy crook and that that's like the only slappy that I can like really do. Like I can frontside slappy sometimes. I've like never done a backside slappy and then I can like nollie tail, which is like, you know, not not like a huge effort trick. Although I even struggle with that. <laughs> so I would skate a ledge like and any day of the week. I'd rather skate a ledge like I can do way more on a ledge than on a curb. Mm, I wish I had that problem. <laughs> but <laughs> who do you all think? OK, but who's responsible for it? Right. I mean, we'll acknowledge the fact that curb skating is in. It's in vogue. It's trendy. It's, it's hot. But who's responsible for it? Right. Is are there is there anybody in the last okay we'll use twenty years nice round number who in the last twenty years was the one who pointed us pointed us to this future that we're now in now I feel like Did Jason it? Adams maybe like in in one of those early maybe the first Black Label video he had a bunch of like slappy stuff that was like pretty innovative like frontside slappy to switch crook and some other stuff I think that was like uh, like an early indicator that people could look to. Um, I'm not sure who like the modern curb leader was or is. Mike, did you, did you have a an idea there? Well, I was thinking 
tilt mode videos in terms of, you know, Jason Adams crossover. I swear there were some sections of slappy skating on curbs. Mine did tilt towards just kind of like, I, I really do think it's Instagram in terms of showing what people do in less serious times, but on a day-to-day basis. And you do mm-hmm. have heroes like, um, gonna gonna bring up Colin Provost in a in a positive note, you know, doing crazy shit on a curb like backside kick flips, curb to curb, you know. Yeah, he skates like a quarter pipe. The Cali curb quarter pipe. I mean, you can't you can't take the skate park out of the skate park, kid. No matter where yeah, you take him. Yeah, I guess him. he he just sees sees ramps everywhere, man. It's it's life's a ramp. Do need to give props to to Tanner Van Vark, new Minnesota pro. Yeah, we're doing like the same sort of stuff, like loose trucks and loose knees and all that. Um, yeah, it, it, it's funny. It's like we're trying to pinpoint something that's kind of always been there, but it, it ebbs and flows. I mean, you know, I think a Pat Duffy, him <laughs> doing, like, <laughs> doing big grinds and then like slapping a curve in questionable. And, um, you know, again, just to an extent, it's always been there. But I think that. The great equalizer instagram has just put it in front of us and uh you know just reminded everybody of how fun it is and probably brought to the front like it's just a actual real part of skating and that's that Ooh, you know what because you brought up pat duffy and thinking about early to mid 90s um youtube if we're going to talk about a social media platform that has really kind of changed skating huh. you, youtube for the younger generation, it gave them access to videos that maybe they'd, they'd never even thought about, right? To pros who are maybe now kind of like uh, either long since forgotten or are in the industry, but they don't really skate that much, it exposed a younger generation to them, right? And then for folks our age in their late 30s and their 40s, it allowed us to see videos that maybe we wanted, but we could never find a copy or um, it just like it came and it went or it was, it was discontinued. So, I mean... Obviously, you got to think about Tim and Henry. Yeah, Tim and Henry's pack of lies. You know that is one of those videos that, for like the Jason Dills of the world, they love that video. I saw Tim and Henry probably like what ninety eight, ninety nine. So in nineteen nineties time, that was that felt like a decade, right? And that video only came out in like ninety three, if I no ninety two or ninety three, if I remember. Two, correctly. I would say. Yeah, yeah ninety two because ninety three was uh, everyone quit to do Crail Tap. So. YouTube has allowed people to reconnect with the, you know, the golden age of skate videos. And a lot of that was curb skating. And a lot of the, a lot of the NBDs, a lot of the innovation was being done on curbs. Like I love all day one's curb stuff, you know, pre round one, right? Even like the stuff like in trilogy where he's, he's skating curbs in there. And I think, yeah, that, I think it was, it, it opened up people's minds as to what skating, something else that skating could be. Cause remember YouTube, when they got taken over by Google, that was like what 2007, 2008. You know that back then, that was that was still the hammer. That was still hammer time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, so all of a sudden, YouTube, you can look up old skate videos, and the only thing you're seeing is tight pants, scarecrows, you know, big handrails and big gaps, and then you know you jump into this time machine and you see this warped, you know, uh, digitized version of a warped VHS with big pants, little wheels. I mean. If you're curious, that's that's something that's really going to interest you because it's just different than what you're seeing. Totally. I wonder how much interest there is in those old videos. You know, like I'm I'm sure there's skate nerds like who are, you know, digging back into all that old stuff. But I, I wonder, on like a broader scale, if if many kids are like out there, like, oh my god, I got to see Sick Boys or whatever. <laughs> I think it's whatever whatever is being referenced in interviews and whatever is, you know, the slap message board does have an influence on what people what, what gets resurfaced. Yeah, I think also look back library and Instagram. Again, we could point to Instagram. Instagram has kind of created a, a marketplace for it because not only do people post their finds at thrift shops or at old skate shops or whatever, they also like to flex their collections. And, mm-hmm. you know, shout out to Chops, shout out to Chrome Ball Incident, shout out to, um, oh my God, 48 Blocks. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like a, a whole series of blogs and websites that were just devoted to, or Bob Shirt, that were just devoted to collecting all of that and, and keeping it for keeping it for the next generation. And I think that's, that's, I think that's fueled interest. I think there's genuine interest in it. Some more than others. Like, 
I don't think anybody's really checking for old Prime videos, which is unfortunate. But <laughs> I mean, the music fire is fire terrible. Was good. The skating is good. I, I like. I love that you carry the torch for Prime, Patrick. I would just add, and maybe it's theoretical. I don't have much to back it up, but I do think that maybe more so than people our age, younger generations with everything skateboarding at their fingertips, like. It's just, oh, what is this? Okay, I'm going to watch it. It's from 1989. Oh, what's this? 1993. What's this? Etc. Like, there's less uh, kind of categorization of skating and less demarcation, putting it into, you know, generational blocks. Instead, it's just like, okay, this is skating. This is skating. All right, let's build up an idea. Wholly theoretical on my part, but, um, you know, I could, I could see that happening. I can't watch an H Street video. Like, I've never sat through one of those just because it's, like, too distant because I put everything into a category. I, I mean, I'd love to not think that way, but you were saying, Tuppleton. Yeah, I could see the algorithm, you know, depending on your preferences, it could serve you up, like, the Dylan part and then public domain or something, and then, you know, uh, Tim and Henry's after that. So I, I could see, like, the algorithm could be, like, directing some uh discovery of <laughs> past videos we need to hack the algorithm to like low-key make the perfect skater <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i think the other thing is that um you know because we're all kind of like within the same age range you know thinking about 8th street um maybe there's also just kind of like a not a stigma but just kind of like when we all started skating that felt like a million years you know in the past when in fact it really was only like four or five years and that right. most of the folks on 101 plan b and a lot of other companies came from 8th street they came from powell it's just that skateboarding at the time had a very short memory it's like it's very similar to hip-hop right hip-hop is for the young and unfortunately that's a to the detriment of a lot of the veterans you know and so there's a lot of people who get forgotten within two three five ten years goodness you just dismiss this old school where people are like what I've never heard. I've never heard any of Lil Wayne's mixtapes. I just thought he just skateboarded. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw on Twitter the other day that like all those tribe, the early tribe albums, all those dudes were teenagers. It, it does uh, does echo true. Yeah, I, I mean that was I mean, like think about that. Midnight Marauders came out in 1993. That's forever ago, and especially um, I don't know about, about y'all, but. The amount of music I have consumed in my life, the shows I've been to, records, tapes, CDs, bought, sold, traded, whatever. I mean, that feels like forever ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, think about that in a hip-hop industry that is constantly looking for something new, very similar to skating. Like, nostalgia in skating is relatively new. I mean, you got to give props to Bob Shirt and Chromeball, Chromeball Incident for not maybe, not creating it, but like, reminding people right especially you know folks who've kind of fallen off skating or they don't skate that much and all of a sudden they see an old gino ianucci 101 deck that they really really wanted and it was like holy shit i remember that or when people started scanning old ccs's and posting them and you remember how cool it was like like y'all remember like you're in high school just like, look at that shit yeah yeah just like <laughs> someone was like yo a new ccs came and you just sit and just think about like the amazing complete and the weird thing is like adult with disposable income, job, whatever, whatever, right? No board that you buy right now as a proper adult will ever compare to the dream complete that you wish you had when you were a teenager. Fuck, of course. So true. Again, completely theoretical. I feel like, at least for me, and maybe when I noticed it, I don't know, and it is around the time that Chromeball popped up, like early 2010s, late 2000s, it seems like that's when nostalgia really hit and it hit hard i remember doing a top 25 videos of the last 25 years for uh working with it for a friend of the pod lucas weisenthal with ride channel and there was a real kind of like what the hell was even a, a good video this is like 2015 let's say we couldn't even pinpoint a video from late 2009's 20 early 2010s that was like that good or that indicative of anything and um i don't know maybe 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 for the people maybe for skateboarding in general it was a time where looking back for better times was something it was kind of a seems to me in retrospect like kind of a 
lean time, but uh, well, skating got boring. It, it yeah. got like the, I think it was a combination of the Hammer era, right? It was like the letdown of the Hammer era. It was it was just it didn't. There was no direction with it. No, <laughs> except down, <laughs> all the way mean, down to the curb. There you go. Hey, brilliantly put. But I think the other thing that was happening then too was remember was the um, the rise of fashion blogs, right? So if we're thinking, say, two thousand six to about two thousand eleven, so there was was it Scott Schumann, the dude who does the or did the Sartorialist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Norwegian fashion blogs, like a lot of them, a lot of the, the folks that they were taking pictures of were taking their ideas from old skate magazines, old skate catalogs. And that was about the time where you started to see the flattening of fashion. And I think for skaters, it was just kind of feel like they're ripping off our steez, yo. Like, let me go back and, uh, and revisit, you know, some of my youth. Um, but yeah, back to like skating being boring. Yeah, it was boring. Because also in tandem to like the Hammer Arrow was the... Uh, that was the the street the first excuse me I guess the second streetwear boom that was from 2006 to about 2007 and you know at that time it was all about everything new the newest drop the newest you know waiting in line for things and then the recession hits then the economic crash you know that's in 2007 the economic downturn starts 2008 the economy crashes spends the next two to three years in the doldrums depending on your life experience what country you're living in and at that time, a lot of folks in general and culture started looking for, you know, heritage brands. They started looking back. They started, you know, dialing back and being a little bit more or a lot more conscious about where they were spending their money. And I think part of that reflection, that cultural reflection filtered into skating and people started looking back at skate culture because, you know, the the golden era came out of that that recession that started during the first Gulf War, 1991. You know, that lasted till about 1993. Like some of the best things that happened in skateboarding, you know, were during that 1990s recession, you know. So I think folks are maybe looking for some parallels. Shit, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, fantastic. I I just, it's so hard to think of, you know, to get out of the box that is skating where it's like, nah, man, it's just me me and the homies at the curbs and fuck, I, I can only think of the shoes from that era, but it, it is all tied, you know? It is all cultural waves, etc. Well put. Yeah. Speaking of cultural waves, we've been seeing a lot of pants talk lately, more than usual even. It seems normies are catching on to what skaters have known for years. Skinny jeans are out, baggies are in. Polar and Butter are kind of the most recent leaders, but skater leg openings have been creeping up for years ahead of that. Patrick, what's behind this return to bagginess? The nostalgia cycle. The music writer Simon Reynolds had a book called Retromania, and he talked about music and pop culture going in these 20-year cycles. So that means we're in about 2001 right now, and baggy was still very much king, even though mm. you know that was the same year as The Strokes, and then later Interpol, The White Stripes, and basically the rise of uh, drain pipes or skinny jeans. But here's the thing. In skating, it was still... Baggy pants, seriously baggy pants, and I think it was just time. I think it, I think a lot of folks. First of all, personal opinion, uh, skate pants have sucked for a long time. No doubt, skate pants. Skate pants have have not been good. I'd say for twenty years. Wow. Yeah, because think about what we grow up on: New Deal, Big Deal jeans, the blind jeans, the baggy black polo jeans, menace jeans, right? Nautica, Hill Figure. Nothing. I mean, no crew jeans, no nothing has been able to touch that silhouette, that baggy look. It feels good. It looks amazing, right? Because here's the thing with the baggy pants, you could wear a tight shirt with baggy pants, or you can wear, you know, you could wear a tall tee, you know? Whereas with tight pants, you could really only wear a tight shirt or a sweater. I feel like Reynolds rocked the baggy shirt, tight pants, and looked pretty cool. But I take your point. I think he's. I think he's also just very, very slim. Right? Remember, this was a dude who was working out what eight hours a day, swimming laps for two hours, and then then would go skate. So like he was like super, super, super slim. Like at his, you know, during his imperial phase when he was just killing everything and skating. <laughs> Wait, was Reynolds yeah, working out? Reynolds like? is the outlier. <clears throat> dude, like Reynolds was Reynolds was going hard in the paint. Like, what is it? This is skateboarding. I can't remember. Like one of those America videos. Like he like. He really like. I think he he was sober. He'd gotten custody of his daughter. Like he was like very zeroed in on life. And like 
so he was like in an incredible shape and actually he's one of the reasons why I started really getting into swimming pre-pandemic because I was thinking about I was like I love swimming both my parents were swimmers that's actually how they met anyway but like yeah skate pants skate pants have been trash until now until now until now because people are going back to the baggy i mean like mike i mean i don't think i'm out of pocket here i'm trying to think of exceptions to your 20-year rule right now and i would argue that early to middle to late 2000s less than baggy corduroys were pretty legal not as cool but like they had a definitive vibe you know, like an iPath promo vibe that mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's going to heavily object to. Okay. Um, I definitely think that maybe the worst and most enduring pants in skateboarding phase has been the kind of just like slim fit, but not tight that a lot of people have embraced. I think oh, I, oh, I, have close, I have close friends that I have in mind and I definitely bought you know, a cycle of like four star jeans where I'd buy three pairs at a time of, you know, they're not skin tight, they're not crew jeans, you know, nobody's gonna induct you into the piss drunks because your pants, but they're just slim. They look like work pants. They look like, <laughs> you know, 2017 corporate ass shit. So I think on the whole that uh, pants have not been that great in skateboarding off of their halcyon days in the 1990s there have been bright spots though templeton yeah i feel like i after high school i never was like following too close on the pants trends you know like i was closer to the middle you know like as things got skinnier like certainly my pants got skinnier too but i never went all the way to like wearing girls jeans and I also, as an adult, never went, like, all the way to super baggy, like, polar jeans or whatever. Uh, I've always kind of just been kind of in the middle, fluctuating around there. But it's sick to see, like, things getting baggier. And I think I'm ready for, for baggier. I got some... Oh, absolutely. I got some classic Dickies um, about last year. And I was just like, I think these are maybe too tight. They're also... <laughs> they're, there's no stretch to them. So it's like... Uh, yeah. You know, if you really feel the tightness with 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 the dickies, so I yeah. I think it's good that that things are getting a little baggier, and I feel like maybe Gilbert Crockett was kind of one of the first people that I saw that made me think like I think I need to go a little baggier because I think he what? was like pretty early in in the like wider leg openings. What oh, yeah. year was he doing that? Man, it wasn't from the top, right? Like he he has not always been a baggy pants man. No, no, not at all. Um, so, I'm I'm a big fan of Gilbert, but whatever that fall did he ride for Fallen? He did, yeah. There's the Fallen video where he's the most mall ass looking skater ever. He's got like surfer hair, packs on outfits, super good skating, but he was definitely not rocking the pants he rocks now. I just kind of had to put that on the podcast oh, no. record. Like but, hell yeah, everybody grows up and people's pants change, and like this is where things can get kind of messy because. I'll say taking off the skateboard hat, putting on the musician hat, playing guitar or bass while wearing baggy pants. If it's not the 1990s, like watching a lot of old videos of Blur, especially like when Damon Albarn was wearing, Damon Albarn and Graham Coxon were wearing a lot of like dub, a lot of skate stuff. It look, I think it looks terrible. I put on some tight pants or at least some straight fit pants. Don't be up there. Because I think the connotation in my mind, I immediately started drifting towards like Limp Biscuit, Rage Against the Machine, like baggy pants and playing guitar. Just no. And I've tried. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm gonna hit you with a real talk too. I tried girls' jeans, right? Because simply because you could not get, you know, unless you went to Trash and Vaudeville, right? It was very hard to buy straight leg skinny jeans off the shelf until Uniqlo came up. There was this one jean, like there was this one. This one cut that they had, their skinny jean was absolutely perfect. And if you went for like the selvage cut, it was even better. But it was it was a struggle. And then now, then you know, up until very recently, like tight pants everywhere. So it's I think it's difficult to juggle though, because it's like in regular life, pre-pandemic, going out such and such, I'm not wearing baggy pants out and about. You know, tight pants, right? Or at least straight, you know, straight leg. Skateboarding, on the other hand, 
I've tried skating in tight pants and it's miserable. Um, yeah, especially like tight dickies with that um, that hard ass cotton or whatever it is, like or they're cotton slash polyester. Like that, I have sensitive skin. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a few year break in period on the dickies. Yeah. So I mean, you you got jogging my memory, Patrick. Like I was big claim here. I I, I was able to get Maddox pants. For free rep flow for a couple of years dang and that was that was my introduction to like stretch whatever you know stretch denim stretch corduroy which was actually amazing but also almost like a almost like a thermal pant they were weird but yeah that was the only way that i could skate in a slimmer profile pant like it had to be stretch I couldn't go back to it now. I mean, I, I feel like I've said on this podcast that I pretty much skate only in these Patagonia sweatpants that I've bought. And like they're now in the third year that I have them and they're deteriorating quite a bit on my left hip because evidently that's where I fall the most. But yeah, I'm completely in loose fitting land when it comes to actual what I'm skating in. Uh, actual when I'm skating in land. Yeah, I'm in both lands. <laughs> Where are you guys at? Skate terms. Templeton? Um, yeah, I'm kind of like mid. I've got some Nike pants that are like on the baggier side that I, I really like. And then I'm, I'm just going to put out like an APB for like what I consider the best pants ever. There's some Nike pants from like 2017 and they're like summer weight pants with these little zips on the side for ventilation. And I'm I'm not a shorts wearer, so I'm always looking out for pants Ooh. that are appropriate for uh, high temperatures. So if anybody has any of these Nike pants with the side zip vents, please hit me up. I have two pairs and I'd, I'd like to get some more. <laughs> I'd I've got them in, to have three. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got them in green and they, they came in like, like a blue or black or something. So I wanna have the other color. So if anybody out there has some, hit me up. But yeah, other than that, I'm wearing these Nike pants that are like have like like a good bagginess to them. Are are those summer pants the best pants that you've had? Best pants I've ever had, hundred percent, hands down. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't quite expect that answer, Patrick. What are the best pants you've ever had? Are we talking skate pants or chill pants? Because those are two totally different things. <laughs> Why not both? Okay. Um, best skate pants I ever had was a pair of J. Crew Sutton jeans that had that kind of Jason Dill 1990s, like Jason Dill 101 profile. They were dark gray. It was a heavy denim. And they had, the, you know, that fold, you know, that 1990s fold that baggy jeans would do where they would just hit like right before the sole of your shoe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they did that. They did that. And I was skating the reissue South 23s a lot at the time. So I, I felt amazing. And that sounds dope. Yeah. I have, I found those secondhand somewhere. And I really, I, I don't know. I think I, I, I definitely like destroyed them. Let's see. Other best jeans. I think the, then the other best jeans I had was a pair of, uh, in terms of just like regular wear, like tight pants I played shows in, like a lot of shows. Used to ride my bike in them everywhere. Blew out the crotch four times. Is a pair of vintage Levi's 606s. 606? I've never even heard of that. Yeah, these, these pants, these were the jam. I was like, yo, just me on the single speed bike Ugh. going out, getting into trouble. Like, it was like I, like, I looked like a bad motherfucker in those pants. <laughs> I did. <laughs> no, I'm laughing because it sounds so fun, man. And then, no, I, I want to be out on the fixie in my 606s. Yeah, I mean that was that that was single P. Like now, I'm just like nah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I mean, I think I think I think we we gotta kind of like we kind of have to also address the the bigger question here, talking about pants. Why do skaters talk about pants so much? Because they're so close to the board. You know, it's like, like it's discourse. It's not even like oh, we're talking about tra-. It, like pants discourse is more nuanced. You can get any skater and ask them about, yeah, ask them about their wheelbase, their trucks, their wheels, their bearings. Like, uh, you know, they'll give you a pretty interesting spectrum of answers from uh, passing interest 
to or like they have no idea they just buy whatever to you know they're an enthusiast but you start asking a skater about their pants it's another level i really think it's the great thing about skateboarding is that you know we can debate grip tape we can debate hardware those are the only things that like at least on skate twitter that actually get people ignited none of it matters like none of your gear actually matters so long as it's not like bought it you know so long as it's not part of a walmart board and so it it goes to these secondary things where you know skating is so subjective skating is so just whatever you want it to be and so it it is aesthetics and you look at skaters and i think pants make the biggest difference uh, like in terms of what a skater looks like like there's only so many sizes relative to a human of shirts you know there's only so many <laughs> so many pieces of clothing that like vary in size relative to human size that matter it, it all comes down to pants you guys come on that's <laughs> Yeah, I think pants are important. You know, it's like it's a performance thing and a, an aesthetic thing. You know, like the pants have to fit right so that you can move and skate, and then they have to look right. And I think I think you were kind of like you were kind of alluding to this, to this, Mike. But it's like you can't really see the trucks and wheels and the board and the grip tape. You know, it's just all kind of looks generic on film at least. But pants, like you can really make out like the fit of the pants or like you know that doesn't look right or whatever like the pants I, are important I, I shouldn't downplay the the the, the biggest deal breaker is uh, shake junt grip tape for me <laughs> certainly yeah any any kind of graphic grip is is a deal breaker but Wait, uh, graphic graphic grip or like what about like uh, like Sheffy used to do back in the day where he tag his um, board oh that's, that's cool. cool but these busters with uh, shake junt red bull Nobody's paying you enough or giving you enough free shit to like make your setup look that whack. <laughs> so wait, wait, do y'all do the stripe or you just do all black? I do all black and so I am regular footed, put the board out, back truck, front nut, bottom side, I scratch a line in the grip and that's how I know where I'm at. Mm. I do the line. What about you, Patrick? I just started doing the line. Um, I've tried rocking like uh, hardware with the with the one bronzed or colored bolt, but you know it just eventually wears off after you know over time. Mm-hmm. Um, the the line is much 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 easier, and it's something I never did when I was younger. So I think it's it's something that signifies signifies that I'm an older, more mature skater. But I have to wonder though about pants. Did <laughs> pants become a thing because Rocco made them a made them a thing? Because it was the blind jeans, right? Like, are those the first great skate pants? They might be. I mean, I wanted to say that, you know, the defining thing when I got into skating, or at least when, like, my older sister was hanging out with skaters, I'm like, I should skateboard more. Like, it was the pants. The thing that was defining about skaters in 1994 in Minnesota or whenever was that they were wearing 40-inch waist pants that they cut seven inches off of and you know it was this distinctive look i don't know how you know how how distinctive was whatever mark gonzalez was wearing in those 1987 contest videos compared to what everybody else was wearing in 1997 pants seemed like a break from everybody else those big ass baggy pants defined it only for a short time, at least as far as, like, the vanguard, you know, the true people that were, like, driving skateboarding were concerned. But, you know, the lasting effect was that I was wearing kickwear jeans in 1996 in Minnesota, <laughs> four years after everybody else had ditched that shit. Like, I think I brought up a Scott Johnston. Yeah, it was his profiles from... It was in 4113, and he was already wearing, like, very, very reasonable, like, khakis in the whole thing. So it was only a blip, but I think it, it had its lasting impression on skating, and as we see now, the culture. Mm-hmm. Oh, But the khakis, like, the thing about khakis was that they were sort of, like, the transitional... Yeah, they, 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 were, they were... trend. That was transitional garb, right? Because you had the blind jeans... 
right? And then you had people coming out with the bootleg blind jeans. And then you start to see the Scott Johnsons, uh, the Jason Lee, Chris Passwords, the Stereo Cats all wearing either very baggy khakis or at least just like nice, luscious, loose, looser fitting khakis. And that was really, really dope. Like that was really nice because it was that or the stone wash, acid wash, like light wash baggy jeans with the white tee. And then you start to see more... You know, so you have skaters making a bit more money or skaters who are into hip-hop bringing, you know, some woo-wear jeans, which were amazing, by the way. Like, that that was a, like, we got to remember, that was a flex. If you could afford some hip-hop jeans, mm-hmm. some silver figures or polos, like, you were basically saying, I got money because I know I'm going to thrash these pants. But, you know, I'm going to go and buy some buy some new ones. So, like that, But the khakis were really, really, really nice. And also... The weird thing is that at the time, everybody wore, most skaters wore baggy jeans. So even even if you were super hesh, like a Cartiel, Cartiel, wore, he wore baggy jeans. I think he might still wear bigger pants. Oh, hell yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's and, a misconception to say, like, I don't know, the, the yeah, the pencil jeans were a subgenre all their own. It was like handrails. True hessians always kept it baggy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like baggy Baggy jeans with a chain wallet, and the chain wallet was actually useful until it wasn't. <laughs> right. If you ever if you ever saw somebody get, oh man, I definitely saw somebody get caught up um, trying to skate a handrail chain wallet. The wallet was deep in the pants, and then just oh, it was a mess. <laughs> like, it, it's just like just one of those things that happens, and that dude stopped wearing chain wallets after that. Damn. But yeah, I, I feel like Blind might have been the ones who kind of created the pants phenomena and. Like, we've been stuck in there since. And, like, shorts have been... I am a big advocate of shorts, and especially short shorts. Um, yep. Shout out to Lucas Puig and Blondie McCoy for making that. And, and I remember because it was like a, it was, um, it was an interview with uh, Lemmy, rest in peace. And he was talking about how he cut off some jean shorts when he was hanging out with Dave Grohl. And all the Foo Fighters, they're all wearing these big, baggy board shorts, right? And they were all laughing at him. It was like, what are you wearing? He's just like... It's hot. I'm wearing shorts. You guys are basically wearing, you guys are wearing, you know, you know, short pants. I'm actually wearing shorts. <laughs> I'm cooling off here. And that's like, that's why a whole other thing. Y'all remember like big shorts in the 90s and how terrible they could look? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I, kind of socks do you wear with those? Uh, nobody has White an socks. No, nobody's figured it out, man. <laughs> white socks because you just don't. Wait, do y'all wear white yeah. socks? I got a few pairs. I can only skate in these particular. I forget what brand. Or they might be Hanes. I forget mm-hmm. Champion. I forget what brand they are because I haven't worn them because it's been winter and I haven't been skating enough. But yeah, there's only a particular like Target bought white socks I can skate in. I don't know. I Perfect. started. I started wearing black socks to skate in, um, and just in general, some years ago. First of all, because. It's easier to you know it's easier to wash them and also i think they look um i think when you're thinking about shorts then you start thinking about like your actual physical like you start thinking of, like like how do i look right you know hmm. i'm pretty dark and i think black shorts excuse me i think black socks look better on my skin tone and so like that's a whole other thing you have to start thinking about with pants on the other hand i think you have a, a little bit more leeway did y'all used to sag your pants I never really did. I, I yeah no. I I remember like my brother is super big, so I was able to just yeah. Hey, you done with these pants? And I had forty inch waist dockers that I modified, obviously to like you know I'm I'm a foot shorter than him. No, I'm not a nine inches shorter than him. Let's say that's still mm-hmm. not accurate, but you know, uh yeah no it, yeah. <laughs> Who, who's who's that one guy on Instagram? You can tell he definitely wears really really wide pants, and he cinches the fuck out of his belt to 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 buckle them. You usually see him skating Barcelona. He's really good. He has a really nice uh, one eighty nose grind. Uh, is it Adrian Del Campo? I think I think so. He yeah yeah his oh I got a lot of I got a lot of thoughts on Del Campo. <laughs> let's hear him. I mean, let's hear him. <laughs> well, it's less about his pants, but uh, 
Well, keep, keep, yeah. it, keep it keep it pants related. Like what? <laughs> what? No, I, I mean I like his gear. He's he's a very premeditated skater. He's uh, he's in the Al Davis camp where it's like think very hard about the flat ground trick. Okay, now we're doing the ledge trick, or the <laughs> trick over the fire hydrant. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I have big thoughts on those dudes. I think he needs. I think he needs some custom pants. Like, like doesn't Tiago? Doesn't Tiago aren't like his? Like Tiago, by the way, best oh. retro baggy fit. Like Tiago's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think Tiago rocks the polar big boys. How much are they? I don't know. Eighty bucks, maybe more. Ninety. See, I'm conflicted. Jason, call in. Jason, call in. Let us know. We need to know. We need a, We need the review of the Polar Big Boys. But I mean, on one hand, I like buying stuff secondhand. I like. Um, I like. I like the fact that I know those old polo cuts. I know, and certain J. Crew is like. There's this one run of J. Crews that are made in Italy are really, 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 really good. There's also another J. Crew called the Sutton, which is a very good um, khaki pant. The key is like you size up a couple. But here's the thing. I want to support a skater-owned brand, but you know, if we're thinking about being eco-conscious, you know, you figure like, do I really want to go and buy like another new thing that's required water and dye and all this and that, or do I want to recycle something? Like, how do you I guess how do you I guess how do you balance that? I mean, I I feel like when you're buying clothes, you got to if you can afford to, you need to buy uh, investment like quality pieces, you know, buy something that you're going to wear for a few years and it's going to cost you a little bit more up front, but in the long run, like you can wear it until it's out of style. Or get old enough where you just don't give a fuck. I mean, do you ever feel that weird feeling where you are dressed to skate and you go out into the, you know, you go like you go pick up food or something like that and you realize that you're not wearing chillers, anything like that. Like, you look like a skater. Like, you really look like a skater. I always get that feeling post-skate, because I'm wearing, like, not athletic gear, but mm-hmm. I'm, like, fully, like, sweated out. And, yeah. like, I just wonder what people think. Like, oh, this dude's, like, drenched in sweat wearing just, like, some normal pants and, like, a button-up. <laughs> I, I, uh, so, by the Familia Skate Park... On my way home, like it's one way to the skate park and then one way home, there's a modern furniture manufacturer outlet. Like Blue Dot Furniture is based in Minnesota, Minneapolis, in fact, and they have like an outlet there. And so I will frequently go in there in like sweated out ass, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden I'm browsing expensive furniture and I feel like, um, you know, who, who's looking at me? I actually don't think many are. But. <laughs> Is there something I can help you with, sir? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm smelling like shit and I'm wearing like white socks and some Birkenstock plastic sandals. It's, oh, wow. That's happened, that's happened before. <laughs> I highly recommend the Birkenstock EVA sandals for like keeping keeping your feet nice, but... Mm-hmm. But this like, isn't this isn't the sandals episode. This is the pants episode. So. No, we're not that washed. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah, I've got some Burks too. I got the clogs. But again, this is not the um, sandals episode. Yeah, right. it's but... like we need one now. <laughs> <laughs> Might be bonus I mean... material or something. <laughs> I just, I guess, I just, I just wonder because um, skating has become so so part of. The fashion mainstream, like high, not even high fashion, haute couture, right? Fashion is not, you know, skateboarding is not just influencing fashion. It is fashion. And it's like luxury boutique, you know, it's in a luxury boutique lane, which is wild for a very grimy and dirty subculture. But it's so weird because there are those times where you, you realize that, you know, you're waiting in line to, I don't know, go get tacos or whatever your post uh, your post-session food is. And you're like, wow, um, I look like a skate rat right now, especially a high summer and you're drenched in sweat or if you just generally run hot and your shoes are all scuffed up. I mean, like, I do not keep chillers in the car. I probably should, though. It might be better for my feet. 
I'm going to have to get some of those Burks. I am Burks to the session. Burks out. Like, not right now, because it's boots in, boots out, but highly recommended. My one homie who has a heated garage, he just wears slides, so. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Rewind. I know there's a heated driveway, but heated garage? Uh, just, you know, it's it's insulated, and it's uh, you know, it's got... It's like part of the house. Or something. Oh, wow. So yeah, Min- is Minnesota like- is a different vibe. That I, I've lived here for so long, I have a hard time disconnecting it from other places that aren't insanely cold. So Wow. That, I mean, that just sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I just found out, um, and even though growing up in New York, you know, you obviously had snow and ice in the wintertime, but not like that. Um, I have a colleague from uh, from Minneapolis, and she pointed out that, yeah, that diesel turns to slush in extreme cold, which is mm-hmm. why there would be some days where the buses wouldn't run because the school buses wouldn't run because um, if you didn't, if school bus does not have an engine block heater, then you know the diesel will turn to slush. Then you know try to start to join, it won't turn over. And I was like, I did not know that. She also drives race cars and has a very interesting life outside of work. Yeah, the cold, the cold up here it sounds whack to say, but it is different. Very happy it's been like thirty-five degrees for a minute because. The past two, two and a half weeks, it was like high of three degrees Fahrenheit. So, Oh, hell no. Jeez. <laughs> I think we can all be stoked that we are not in Minnesota. Although we do have a large Minnesota contingent of listeners. So, hello, Minnesotans. Um, that, <laughs> and that, I am in Minnesota, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are, but we have, we have a lot of fans in Minnesota. According okay, to our, you guys are stoked you're not here. I get it. <laughs> I respect it. <laughs> I want to go. I, I really want to visit. I, I, I hear such good things, and it just—it seems like the kind of place where in the summertime, like, do you all just like hang out all day, all night because it, the weather's nice? It pops off. It really does. So people are just like they're down for whatever. It's like, yeah, I'll go to this after hours. Yeah, I'll hang out. Uh, all of it. Yeah, I mean, it's everything is like life opens up, and you do grab it. Mm. everybody's stoked on summer there we go which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on mike what are you stoked on this week so as of tonight we are recording on february 25 2021 a video in which i have a part and i like to think i did i i helped make it uh, Weekend Warriors, a Minneapolis skateboarding video, premiered 15 years ago today, again, on February 26th. And uh, I'm just stoked on that passage of time and the memories of doing cool shit, like making skateboard videos. I, uh, I, think, I think the Twin Cities had a good run of like putting out videos. My buddy Benji Meyer was like, the dude doing that and i had the opportunity and uh the honor of like helping edit helping just facilitate and it was weekend warriors that was really the one that i had the most role in i think i put up a grand for like three days because then benji paid me back but i put up a grand so that those videos could be duplicated so Stoked on the 15th anniversary of Weekend Warriors, a video that I am very proud to have been involved in. Also stoked, this is a multi-part one for me, very rare. Uh, My buddy Davis Torgerson, an early adoptee of Beggy Jeans, to be sure, he's been doing a lot of woodworking, and this pro skater for real skateboards, I commissioned from him a picture frame made of skateboard decks, uh, it recently showed up in the mail, undamaged, <laughs> very well. Happy about that. Uh, I'm going to put a picture of me. This is super dorky, but friend of the podcast and another homie, Kevin Horn. I know Patrick knows Kevin. Uh, he shot me, shot a photo of me skating the Hiawatha Bowl a couple years ago. I have very few like skate photos on hand of me, so... The big boring apex of this story is that I'm going to put a homie shot photo into a homie made frame. Big nerd. Uh, last but not least, 
I'm stoked on the song Photo Jenny by Bell and Sebastian. It's a great one, and it was playing while I was writing this all down. Nice. Great song. Really good. It, yeah, really good one. Could be an outro song. Most certainly will be. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry I just filibustered for so long. Patrick, what are you stoked on? Oh, man. Uh, stoked on Spitfire Wheels. Uh, I actually gave a little kid... Uh, he was there with his sisters hanging out at the DIY that I usually skate. And he was watching all the skateboarders. And he told me, you skated really good. And, you know, I had a complete that was older, chilling in the car. I was like, here, little man, you take this. Because I'm trying to reward the kids for good behavior. Because he complimented me. And he was very nice. And I said, thank <laughs> you. I was just like, I felt like. I, I felt like the boss. I felt like Nino Brown. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm stoked that Arsenal beat Benfica 3-2 today. Um, hyped about that. Shout out. Um, shout out to all the gunners out there. A bronze 56K is cooking up something in Miami. And I also see that my man Paul Young is down there too. So maybe a new video. In the wake of Daft Punk. Uh, calling it quits after 28 glorious years. I'm really hyped on French Touch and reminiscing a lot about many, many, many good nights playing shows, DJing. And speaking of all things French, I'm super hyped on the Jeremy Daclin interview in Jenkum where he talks about film trucks and he talks about being a businessman. He talks about a lot of things that people have whispered about in the French skateboarding industry that people might not know in the Anglosphere. It's it's really good. And if you speak French, you should peep his interview on the French language Big Spin podcast. He like two hours long, he goes in. Templeton, what are you stoked on? Uh I'm stoked on wool, just the material uh made from yeah. uh, uh sheep uh fur. I don't know. Uh when the power was out last week. Uh, I had to kind of go rooting through my sweaters, and I, I found this 100% wool sweater that I I think I bought it at a thrift store while I was in high school, and I've literally worn it every day since, even though the power is back on. The wool sweater <laughs> is dope. It's full of holes, but it feels really good, so get yourself some wool in your life. I also have a couple merino wool shirts, lots of wool socks. Wool is just like, you know, a great material for wintertime. I think they say Moreno was is good um, year-round. but uh, It is. I've yet to test it. Um, yeah, so I'm stoked on wool. <laughs> 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 that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for links to things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Patrick, where can the people find you? Okay, so you can find me on Twitter, at Colonel K Speaks. And you can find me on Instagram, and yes, even on Clubhouse, at P. Kigongo. Mike, where can the people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram, both at M. Munzenrider. Might even be on Clubhouse if I ever set it up. Templeton, where are you on the internet? Uh, I am on Twitter, at Mostly Skate, on Instagram, at Mostly Skateboarding, and also on Clubhouse, I think at Mostly Skate. Uh, I think Sorry. we're a fully Clubhouse pod at this point. Yep. Um, <laughs> don't let Clubhouse just uh, supersede the podcast. Like We, we still, <laughs> still got to record. So if you guys just want to come vibe with us, I guess we... Come vibe, we'll talk to you about how, we, how you can make a million dollars. Million dollars from podcasting. Ask exactly. Us. How to start that new record label, how to take over the world, right? We're going to give you all the secrets of the temple. <laughs> yeah, tune in. Uh, information to follow. Uh, we'll see you guys next week.